All right. Welcome back. Oh, come on, Mike. Welcome back to the Glue Guys. <laughs> oh, come on. Say goodbye, Brian. We've got a show. We've got a show to put on for all <laughs> for all the beautiful people, Mike. Uh, Be a professional, damn it. I guess it's something to celebrate in a way. Uh, welcome back Hello. to the Glue Guys. <laughs> this is Mike here. Um, so we are recording this directly after that Raptors Nets bloodbath in Brooklyn. That was a bloodbath, man. That got that got stressful. That was that was play. I mean, it was playoff level basketball, buddy. That was some intense people diving <laughs> on the floor, people writhing you know, in pain. It was a funny moment. Uh, me and Mike did we, you know, call each other to be like, hey, okay, going into overtime, uh, we'll we'll you know we'll pick this back up in a couple minutes to do the pod. And we just like we we're like, hey, how much do you hate Kyle Lowry right now? And we we're like, yeah, he's playing way too hard. He's like dangerous. He's he's in, you know he's putting people in peril. And you're like, yeah, he sucks. Forget him. And then he. <laughs> I'm so glad he, you're revealing this. Yes. <laughs> and then he felt <clears throat> way too hard. And we're like, we're bad people. I'm a bad person. I didn't. <laughs> I made this happen. Well, I felt like immediately if I was like, yeah, like that's what you get for playing too hard. And then he like was really hurt. I was like, oh, that's. I'm yeah. Evil. It's that time when he got up and took that third step. The third yeah. step where he just Dude, quaked I've been in there pain. When, when I like had the back problems and like your back just like you like the, the weakness just takes over and you'd like fall that like that. I've been there and it's a weird feeling it's a weird feeling i honestly can i be i mean this isn't like i'm not trying to be like a I knew this was gonna happen type thing but <coughs> i'd rather have had kyle lowry in there at the end of the game than van vliet <laughs> mm. uh not like you know obviously i'm upset for kyle blah 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 but Van Vliet is a defender and a, an, an annoying defender, and he was constantly on the guys. And that's what happened at the end of this game, Brian. And I actually think the Nets – so exciting game. Tons of positives. We will get to the positives. But I feel like I have to say, I feel like they almost lost this in overtime. Yes, the refs had some questionable calls, but I also thought the Nets got some calls their way that they shouldn't have. That's That Sakum, Sakum, uh poked ball away from whoever – I think it was Joe Harris or whoever near the end of the game – I don't think that was a foul. Uh, of course, the Dinwiddie Ibaka play. That is a foul. Of course. It wasn't called, but that was a foul. But um, I think when the Nets were up by four in overtime and they didn't keep the pressure on offensively, they slowed down the ball and tried to kill clock with four minutes left in overtime. I think that's where they screwed up, Bri. You can't – it doesn't work that way. You can't just kill four minutes of clock when you have a four-point lead. You're not that good at basketball. Yo, Spencer Dinwiddie 100% took our advice and started going to the rim <clears throat> in crunch time. True or false? True, except for that one, what was the one three-pointer at the, I forget when it was, near the end of the fourth quarter or whatever, and he took the yeah. the fallback three that his favorite shot in the game. But yes, at the, he's switching it up. That is what he's doing. And also it was at the At the very least, peppering in some drives. Well, and you could tell he was going to the hoop because – what he was doing was getting switched on to the center, the one tall guy on the floor, whether it was a Bakker or whoever else was out there, and knowing that if I can get by that one dude, no one else is going to block me. It yeah. was, you know, so it sucks. It's a loss, okay? And it's a game that they, they sh- hopefully, I don't say, you, you couldn't say you sh- they should have won, but it's a game that they had a chance to win. They played from behind for the vast majority of it and and had, had a shot. We, again, we have to be thinking... It's it's it sucks to do this because you have to qualify this desire to win, and this goes into the sort of, um, you know, the silver linings playbook um, that we don't want to be a part of. 
But like even to be in these games, and I know this is not what anybody wants to hear. This is not what I want to hear. But to be in these games is sort of I mean, it's think about how where we were last year and the year before that, where you were hoping to have competitive games on a regular basis. And we're having competitive games on a very regular basis against very good teams. And we should all just take a minute. Let's all just take a minute to bow our heads and be thankful for competitive basketball despite the losses. Can we do that? Can we do that? Can I can we do that that I feel something towards these Nets games at this point in, in January? Remember where we were January last year, people? Well, I know, and this is that weird point in the season where either so we're gonna talk some trade deadline stuff coming up. That is a month away. So January is the point in the season where your team either completely slows down and the interest drops off completely, where this fan this team has been with their fan base many seasons. Or it's the point of the season where they make playoff push or they're in the range of being okay and you get sort of that consistent basketball play and that you carries you through the end of the season and hopefully into next season. Um, the Nets are showing that they are not going to die, Brian. They will not go away without a fight. Um, it just sucks that the past two games against the two best record-wise teams in the East, I think, still. I still think the Raptors and uh, Celtics are two top in the whatever in the Eastern Conference. Um, two games that came down to a couple of plays, and the Nets could not make them. But um, Spencer Dinwiddie is just freaking amazing, Bri. Uh, like, Definitely. super clutch, awesome dude. Uh, makes every big play. It's another eight assists, one turnover performance from Spencer. 31 points, career high for him. Um, was just like, was the guy at the end of the game. We even got like a taste of the future with you had Dinwiddie and Levert, Rondé Hollis Jefferson on the floor all at the same time making plays at the end of the game. Levert made some crucial like small little plays. Levert was two for 13 from the field, so like not a great game, but when he was on the court, he was making good things happen, Brian. Mm -hmm. Man, that stinks. I was really thinking that we were going to hop on this pod and this was going to be a big old W, a big old W, W to shove up. Those Raptors fans' faces, but it didn't happen. <laughs> it did not um, happen. Is it? Do we want to broach the subject that, that some people are tweeting at us about Quincy AC playing 34 minutes tonight in that game? You know what? Do you want? I, so I flipped on Quincy AC. Now, I mean, I'm not in love with the guy, but I think. Okay, so who's? Well, you're you're really zigging when everyone's zagging. Wow, this is incredible. <laughs> you can't I, cannot I, pin Mike down. I that think, means he's going to have a resurgent in February. <laughs> I think. I think he played. He's been playing better. He's been less um, while I'm wide open. I'm just going to jack up a three. I think there's a little bit less of that. It's more kind of within the flow of the offense type Quincy AC. I also recognize the fact that they don't have anyone else to put in there besides Rondé. But in the end, Rondé is there's like limit to how much Rondé can be playing the four. There's just yeah. a limit. I mean, not having Damari Carroll means extra minutes for Quincy AC is is the reality of the situation, and and uh, it's it comes at a, at a certain price, you know. Quincy Quincy AC giveth and he taketh away, you know. Like every every yes. offensive rebound comes with an immediate turnover. Right? Yes, <laughs> and, and at the end of the game when he gets that awesome rebound, but he just yeah. stands there in the middle of the fracas, just yeah. waiting for someone to hit him. When like no Quincy, they're going to try to get the ball out of your hands. That's what they're going to try to do. But no. I, again, I don't. So I I flip flopped on Quincy AC. Um, I mean, Milton Doyle got 17 minutes in this game, so that kind of showed you the the stress Kenny Atkinson was under with its lineup. I mean, I you know you know we love Milton Doyle here, but he wasn't. He's like not ready to play against the Raptors for 17 minutes. That's not where he's at in his development. 
Um, let's go positives, Brian, before we get too negative, before I get too negative. Uh, Jared Allen, buddy. Dunk of the year. Dunk of the year, maybe. It did hammer at home, didn't he? That was a that was just an awesome play in general. Like the way that the whole thing developed, that Rondé like kind of skidded out and then like did a like did a tweaked out clutch pass thing. It was a, it was a cool looking play. And I mean, like even so, obviously Okafor is coming back from you know not having played for a bunch of months and he's kind of fitting himself into the system. But like Jared Allen looks like the much more comfortable player. That's not shocking, but this fact that like. Jared Allen was this raw sort of untapped talent, right, coming out of Texas, whose weakness was he wasn't refined in his game, where Okafor was the opposite coming out of Duke, was that he was super refined. It's just that his talent level maybe is not as high as his game was refined at Duke. But right now, Jared Allen looks like completely comfortable just waiting by the hoop, waiting for his guy to slide over to Levert, and Levert's just going to get him the ball perfectly right there, and he's going to dunk it and slam it up onto people's faces. Mm-hmm. Um, gosh, this game was just so, so intense. It's just so freaking stressful, Brian, that they couldn't yeah. get the W. And it was also all of a sudden like <clears throat> these games, um, like where we used to just be like checking threes and like scoring 130 points a game or something. Now these are real, it's like slog games. Like hey, this, this team's identity seems to be changing on a regular, I mean, it changes because everyone gets hurt all the time. And like, you have to just play like no backup point guard for a couple games. And like, you know, um, well, like, like, yeah, Stauskas is the backup yeah. point guard at one point. <laughs> right. And then Damari right, so. Carroll, who's like a super key play, person on your team, especially defensively. Yeah. He's, and like the, so I think even we have to go back to the start of the game. The start of the game was like what? It was like 15 to 2 at one point or whatever it was and mm-hmm. it felt like oh crap, we're about to get slaughtered yeah. again by Toronto. Is this just a bad matchup? But the team sort of stabilized, then they came back and they brought it within whatever and they tied it up and they took the lead and then they they kept the Raptors from scoring at the end of the game. They had a lead in overtime and then overtime was just <laughs> absolute chaos just fouls not called fouls that were called that were questionable uh the lowry injury just being i mean that was just a weird momentum like bomb in the middle of overtime to just place in the middle of the game uh yeah awesome his 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 landing on alan crab like i I would like that play kind of triggered me that that was an annoying play because he was trying to block the ball on the other side of the rim like he wasn't anywhere near it he just jumped Anyways, well, it was so okay. So the Lowry play was the the one where he gets hurt was called a foul on the Nets. I hope it was called on AC because I got to say, if it was called on Joe Harris, that's not a foul because him and Joe Harris are both going for the ball at the same time, and Joe Harris gets. I mean, they're both getting the ball, and it's the it's the fact that Lowry's falls down. I think it's Quincy AC comes hits him from behind. I hope that's the foul call, but um. I'm not. I was super mad at the refs at the end of the Celtics game. I can't. <laughs> yeah. I, so I, I didn't watch that game live. I watched it the next morning with like you know totally divorced from my feelings. You know because I <clears throat> I was hungover and I didn't and I already knew what happened. <laughs> so so in that state, I I will say that like I can I can understand that temper like the temperature was was raised and and uh, it was you know everyone was all like ratcheted up. But I will say I don't think the the non calls were as egregious, perhaps, as some people are saying. That's just my I'm t- very tentatively throwing that out there. You get out of here, Brian. No one <laughs> yeah. wants to hear that no, opinion. No, no, no one. I would, like obviously the last one, um, the like verticality rule thing was okay. like it's pretty conspicuous. That okay, that's that's the one. Call- it's like that should be called like you know seventy five percent of the time. 
But uh, on, on the end of a play, after you just missed a, like, a bunch of 50-50 calls or whatever, like, yeah, give it to them. I understand being triggered by that. But, you know, yes. divorced from my feelings from it, it felt a little bit more um, digestible. So what's enjoyable is that the NBA does point out that, that last two-minute report, and they put links to the video of each call, right? So they give you, like, a 10-second moment of each call when it happens in the game and you can kind of run down and what the two-minute report literally will say is i think there's four classifications for each of the plays it's a correct call uh incorrect call incorrect non-call and mm-hmm. correct non-call and the ojale so that we're talking about the celtics game now the ojale verticality rule on spencer dinwiddie that that's the one thing that you go back upon reflection still doesn't hold up but even though the NBA came out and said that is a correct non-call, it's it's Ojale had perfect whatever he he perfectly stood his vertical ground. Yeah, it's it's a subjective call, so it's not like a you know you don't have like you can literally see his feet. Physics professor out there. You can see there, his dude. body move like you see his body move from one area of the floor to the other. You see him shift his body into a different dimension <laughs> of the court. Okay, so I don't want to hear from the NBA. Dimension, damn it! Yeah, he 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 fled. He went from one plane of the eternal life to another. Okay, this was a wrinkle in time. It was like, it was like Event Horizon. He came out with, a, with the the taste of hell still in him. <laughs> have you ever seen Event Horizon? No. Is that the one where there's the bubble? <laughs> it's another one of these. Have you ever? So there's like a bunch of these types of movies. Like you can like Interstellar is in them, and they always have this this conversation where they have a piece of paper. They're like, "Do you know how to get like yes? Like, oh or, yeah." You know how to warp from places like A to B, and then they fold the piece of paper and put a pencil through it. It happens in that movie. It happens in like three other movies. <laughs> well, it's about to happen again. Ava DuVernay's A Wrinkle in Time is coming out. Uh, yeah. And Oprah, again, Oprah 2020, uh, she will be in that. And I think there's got to be a paper folding the paper scene. Love folding paper yeah. scenes. Um, that I'm, I'm, that's the one. So, like, I tweeted out after the Celtics game something like there's like 10 calls that were wrong. There was maybe two. You know, I can admit, I can dial it back a little bit. But that Ojale call is, as you said, 75%, 95% of the time, someone coming from inside that little crease underneath the basket, jumping, and also moving. He was moving forward uh, into the ball handler. Uh, that is going to be called. But the Raptors game, ugh, ugh, whatever, whatever, Brad. Well, so now you know that those, like, two-minute reports are just, a, you know, you know, use those as Just expensive PR toilet stunt. paper. That's that's the most expensive toilet paper you'll ever use, Mike. Um, Brian, any final what? thoughts about the Raptors game that you just want to dump out on top of people right now? Uh, hot takes, hot takes. Uh, do you want to talk about Jaleel Okafor? Yeah, so, I mean, it's it's not terrible. Um, he looks gassed the entire time he's on the floor. I don't know if you yeah. noticed that, that he looks, he literally looks, um, do, do I notice? Come on. That's, these are the only kinds of things I do notice. This is my, this is <laughs> not my his position in the post. analysis. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that's the only thing I know. I mean, like, um, he seems to not quite Jared Allen is a more natural fit for what they want to do offensively. Like Jared Allen only wants to set screens and roll to the hoop and wait for the ball where Okafor he had a couple of nights, I think like three times, he got the ball from about 12 feet away, you know, dribbled between his legs, was making sort of different moves. It's more outside of the, you know, we believe him to be this post-monster when mm-hmm. he does have that sort of 12-foot and in-game that he can play with. Um, it's just, yeah. it's it's going to take a while, I think, for him to be like perfectly integrated into this I offense. Hate, I hate to say this, but it's kind of an Andre Blatch-style game. It's it's a it's it a Blatchy. It's Blatchy. <laughs> but 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 actually, you know, that's a compliment. Like if Blatch was no, not I, an idiot, 
he would he would be in the NBA still, not in China or wherever he is right now. Yeah. Um, um, do you want to parlay this right into your boy Jerry LaRoche's? Uh... Yeah, let me get Jerry up. All right, here's Jerry on uh, Netspot at Gmail. He mailed this in. Thank you very much. Here it is. What's up, Glue guys? This is Jerry from New Rochelle. Big fan of the pod. Just had a comment, actually, regarding Jaleel Okafor. So when he was first signed to the team, I wasn't sure what to really think of it. You know, he obviously doesn't fit into the net style of play. But you know what? After watching him for a few games, small sample size, of course, I like what I see. He gives the Nets another option, a big guy to throw it to in the post who could actually play in the post, you know. So let's see how it goes. Yeah, so I agree with that is the fact that, um, like, it's still not perfect, right? But we talk about his 12 feet and in-game. That, that's a different option than what they've had going into this season on the bench, right? Okafor does provide sort of a different look. And, you know, people talk about Greg Monroe went from being a guy who's like a max contract guy to being a bench player. But that's a key bench player to have is sort of that post player that has is playing against backup bigs and can play offensively against them and should be able to take advantage against them and score, you know, six points every time he's out on the floor. Those six points add up into, you know, 18 points a game potentially if you're really right. you're really playing really well. So in I terms of like basketball results, the throw it into the post guy is a low ceiling high floor kind of kind of way yes. of playing, um, which is always a good thing to be able to sprinkle in. Um, can I also just say Jerry, why why do our listeners have such amazing voices? Like the timbre of of Jerry's <laughs> voice, like I could listen to these guys all all day long. It's well, like meditative. And like, so I was tweeting out a bunch of uh, trade ideas, and obviously we're digging to those because I have to. But <laughs> the our listeners are just smart. I mean, I think that's the the things that they return back with criticisms of the trade are smarter than what you hear on, let's say, a sports talk radio station. Where you ask, you know, why can't the Knicks trade Tim Hardaway for LeBron? That type of uh, environment. So we appreciate that. By the way, did you read the Okafor Players Tribune piece? That's I good. did, and I actually started crying a little bit. I'm, I mean, I'm a huge wimp. With that's adorable, <laughs> and I love that. I love that you admit but that. This is a sad. That was a sad Players Tribune, man. That stuff with his mom, like really, t- like that's that was uh, that was hard to read. But um, yeah, did you read it? Yeah, I mean. Sounds there, like you did. Sounds like you're lying. And now, no, no, there's a lot in there. I mean, it was it was like, like a four parter for not getting emotional at the right times, like I did. Well, I mean, I, there's only really one time to get emotional, and that's yeah. pretty brutal. I mean, it's something that I didn't know about. You, you should read the piece. It actually goes. It goes through. So it gives you a bunch of different perspectives of Okafor. It gives you sort of how he grew up. He actually grew up in Oklahoma, and what happened with his family there. And then it goes through how he developed as a prospect in Chicago when he moved there to be with his dad. And then it goes from, he explains how he got to the Nets, the fact that uh, his friends just started texting him and saying, congrats, man, congrats. And he had no clue why they were saying it. And they just said, check ESPN or check Google or something. And he Googled his name and up comes the trade to Brooklyn. And then he talks about, of course, like uh, what he wants to work on personally as being a net. And I think... You know, these player tribune things are interesting because they're not, they are in a first person voice, but for the most part, uh, from what is understood, they're not written by that person sometimes. Um, but the things that he wrote about what he wants to do are improve on defense, rebound better, and be the type of player who makes his teammates better, which is what you want to hear, especially if you're a Brooklyn Nets fan and uh, he's being there. But it's totally worth reading, right? I mean, 
it makes you yeah. Yeah. it makes you actually appreciative of how he handled the situation in Philly. Um because it's like you just he's gone through a lot of change in his life and um you, f- you feel like every time he kind of like rises to a certain level things knock him back down and that he handled sort of being knocked down again that way is a good thing to see. But it's worth worth reading, worth uh digging into, Brian. Mm, indeed. It's also he mentions talks about being a vegan, which if you don't know, he's a vegan. Very difficult to do. We talked about that before. I'm always very impressed by people with the uh, <clears throat> willpower to do that because, you know, I just eat pizza. Yes. Um, so we also have – I don't know the first name of this person, but he sent us a video of, uh, of something about D'Angelo Russell. So let me just pop in that. What's up, blue guys? This is Devin. Half Laker fan, half net fan. Now that D'Lo has been traded, uh, with D'Lo coming back now, do you think it's still possible for him to make the All Star team? Um, and if not, uh, do you think he would have made it if he didn't get hurt? Also, um, as far as Eastern Conference point guards for the next five, ten years, if D'Lo remains healthy, it pretty much looks like a two man race between who's the best. Uh, for the future with Kyrie and D'Lo. I mean, John Wall has been terrible this year. Kyle Lowry is a joke. Um, Do you feel the same way? Do you think D'Lo has potential to be the best point guard in his conference? Because his stats for this year at 21 years old shows that he can be. All right, thanks. All right, I just love that that enthusiasm and confidence behind D'Angelo Russell. Do I think he would have been a point guard? No, but that or would have been an all-star, probably not. But uh, basically projecting the future of D'Angelo Russell as a point guard in the Eastern Conference, um, he lays out that Kyrie is an option, uh, John Wall. Uh, it's like it's just so early to tell, right, Brian? That like for for the all-star game? No, for the fact that like he also then asks who who in terms of the future. Let's say the next five years of the Eastern Conference. Mm-hmm. Where will D'Angelo Russell rank in sort of the power rankings of Eastern Conference point guards? If you go Kyrie, John Wall, and then maybe he knocks down John Wall. I just think it's like so early. I'm super high on D'Angelo. I'm interested to see him reintegrated into this team. You know, every time we do a show, we get a question from one of our listeners about how are they going to reintegrate D'Angelo? What, the, what will the rotation look like? I'm thirsty to see that. Um, mm-hmm. And if you weren't following the Nets recently, news out today that D'Angelo uh, has been practicing with the G League team that happened today, um, that he talked to reporters and said how excited he was that he was coming back, and he was just happy to be able to like run around, jump around. We're entering a territory where it looks like, you know, if you go from the projected timeline of the Nets, when Sean Marks last sort of updated us, uh, which is very rare when he does that, uh, January 12th-ish, is when we were looking for D'Angelo's return. So sometime next week, uh, D'Angelo should be at back on the court, which is going to be a huge deal. Just in time to make it to the All-Star game. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, no disrespect, Doug. I mean, like, I, uh, I just don't care about the All-Star game anymore. I mean, it's been so long since I did. I can't even remember when I... When I do you feel this way? Am I the only person that just doesn't care anymore? About the actual All Star Game, but I think it's uh, like all, about all of the the whole the the politicking and the the yeah the the whole vote casting process. It's 
it's just not hashtag that interesting. NBA vote. You don't you're not getting behind the Spencer <laughs> Dinwiddie hashtag NBA vote campaign. I, I I'm into it for those reasons alone. <laughs> that's that's the only that's the only excuse uh, yeah. to be in is to get Spencer Dinwiddie in. Um, I, think, I think literally if so, like there's a chance Joe Harris would be in the three point contest, right? I not, but that wouldn't do that wouldn't do anything to me. Um, Jared Allen will be in the rookie sophomore All Star game or whatever that thing is, right? I, you know, there's not that many, there's some good rookies, but there's not that many good rookies, big men. Um, literally, it would be Spencer Dinwiddie somehow <laughs> making an all-star roster, which he's not going to. That would just be so enjoyable um, from a Nets perspective. Yeah. But it, ultimately, it, it doesn't matter too much. You know, like, what? You know, I was just thinking just now, I was kicking around this idea of like if they had horse, but like you could have uh, obstacles and stuff, like you could bring your own props and you'd be these like, Rube Goldberg machine <laughs> horse games. <laughs> do, you think that, do you think that that would be chill? Do you think people would like that? Yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> um, all right. So what we do have here is we talk Celtics, D'Angelo Russell. Uh, Damari Carroll, quick update on him is that we understand the injury is now considered day-to-day. Um, there's been a couple of news items about Damari Carroll coming out today. It was one that we, we feared his injury was bad. It is, in fact... <laughs> Allegedly not, but he still probably won't play for two weeks just knowing how the Nets sort of operate. Yeah. And then uh, Woj put out a story today about basically being, you know, we're a month away from the trade deadline. Uh, this is sort of your primer, things to look out for, like four things to look out for. And one of them was about how there are several teams, specifically New Orleans, Detroit, New York, and Portland, looking for wing help. And in that, one of the wings mentioned, of the four wings that were mentioned, one of them was Damari Carroll, Brian. Um, mm. someone that you and I have been on as saying having a great year and will have trade value. Um, he's, and then a free press report came out the same day, I think, Detroit Free Press talking about how maybe the Pistons could be interested in Damari Carroll. Um, now, Brian, I put together some trade possibilities uh, for Damari, which are interesting. This is, this is your – you hit the trades drop already. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Um, I'm just going to give you. I'm going to give you two quickies and then one mega one, which everyone's going to hate. Okay. <laughs> Do I have to choose the one that I like the best? You will have to choose the one you like the best. Okay. Um, you may want to know contracts, but who cares? Let's just kind of dive into it. I'm I'm going like good on this one. So Detroit is like terrible. Contracts are not great because basically Detroit has to send back John Lohr, who's making for for this season and two seasons after that around ten and a half million John dollars a year. Lure? I hate John Lohr. Couldn't you see him being on the Nets though? You could I can see him like playing I don't, I don't, by eight, the way, I'm just kidding. I don't I don't hate John Lohr. You could, I could see him playing eight minutes a game and everyone hating every eight minutes. <laughs> yeah. uh, uh it would be him, another low contract guy for and a first round pick for Damari and Zeller. I I love throwing Zeller in any trade because he's so cheap and actually Detroit allegedly needs backup center help so okay so why would the nets do that they get a first round pick and a little more cap space getting rid of damari's contract but they get lore for an extra year over damari's contract and like i you know i don't i would rather hold on to damari because i think his contract's gonna be super valuable next year uh portland is also mentioned now portland sucks because um they're just like there's not they can't take on any salary They'd have to give up a lot of salary. Basically, what you'd be getting would be Mo Harkless, Noah Vonley, Caleb Swanigan, who is someone who's on their G League team right now, and a second-round pick uh, for Damari. 
So the Nets would cut some salary, get a nice second-round pick, because the second-round pick would be probably the Lakers' second-round pick, which would be tasty. And you what get, you, like, what? Oh, sorry. Yeah, I was just going to say, what do you think of Al Farouk Camino? Do you, do you like that guy's game? I do, and he fits what – so, like, the Nets have, like – if I'm Sean Marks and I'm trying to find a way to get better as opposed to dumping and or sort of, you know, shuffling around assets, I look for that type of player, right? You look for, like, mm-hmm. the, the springy four-type who can really take Quincy AC's minutes? Mm-hmm. Uh, what's your yes. Aminu take? What's what's my take? It's similar. Yeah, I mean, I was just thinking as re- exactly as a replacement for Quincy AC. Would that be the exact kind of? Would that be the new person to hate? I don't know. I, I wonder what people <laughs> are feeling. <laughs> Not that I hate Quincy AC. Much love to Quincy AC. Um, Sometimes we're just a little frustrated at the moment. That's all. We're just going through these like ups and downs. And like, so Mana Yunus is, I think, still out there or something. And I remember being excited to get try to get him because that's like the player you want. You want that six ten shooter. So people and, and now that's this has been out there. Um, Miritich, his name is like even though he's playing well for the Bulls, the Bulls are kind of climbing. I think the Bulls are going to have about the same record. They have a, a one loss less than the Nets. Miritich's name has been out there to be had. Um, I've never liked Miritich. I don't want him on my team, but no. he is the exact player. The idea of him is what this team does need, which is just a four who shoots threes. I, cu- I couldn't do it with him. I don't know. Something about that guy rubs me the wrong way. I know. It, it just doesn't – ultimately, I think he's sort of like a – I don't want to say like an Okafor type, but like sort of like he's not going to fit into a team concept. He's just going to be sort of his own selfish self. Um, yes. You want to hear the mega trade that no one's going to like? Um. I didn't realize Monte Yunus was. Is he? I think he's, he's not getting. A, I think he's a free agent, right? I don't think he's yeah. on any roster. Um, okay, sorry. Yeah, go ahead. Mega trade. No one's gonna like. Okay, this is the Mari Carroll possibilities. Nets and Lakers, Brian. The wow. okay. our old trade partners. Luau Dang, Jordan oh, Clarkson. You're gonna get flayed. Brandon Ingram, and Larry Nance <laughs> Jr. Here we go. Okay, the Lakers get Damari, Lynn, Okafor, and Stauskas. <laughs> this is where the people come out and they're like, you're being irresponsible with your platform, Mike. <laughs> you're going to get those tweets from Well, this. let me tell you why I would do this, Brian. Yeah. Okay, yeah. the Nets get Brandon Ingram and Larry Nance Jr. Those are two nice, fun players to get. Lakers, so, why they would do it. Uh, Dang is completely untradeable, and Damari is actually seems to have interest in the league. So you could get Damari's contract and then flip him for something else. You get out of the Jordan Clarkson deal. Both Dang and Clarkson have three years, you know, each, counting this season, left on their contract. Um, they would get Okafor and Stauskas off their books. That's $9 million. They get to clear off their books right now. Okay, overall, worst-case scenario, the Lakers create a bunch of cap space for themselves. They have Damari Carroll that they can trade, and then they would be completely clear the year after that. When after, when they've already signed LeBron and Paul George, they get to get another guy. Uh, the Nets, again, they get Brandon Ingram and Larry Nance Jr., but they probably would not want to do this because their salary commitments to Dang, Mozgov, Crab, and Clarkson, well, I like Clarkson, but and Crab is fine, would be $66 million between Dang, Mozgov, Crab, and Clarkson next season. That would not be the way you want to build your roster. But I'm just saying, you know, mega deal. I'm trying to make people think. And that's how you get basically the Lakers, the mutant Lakers in Brooklyn. That's What's the point? You don't have to start paying any, anybody until those rookie contracts are up. <clears throat> yeah, I know. You know? Um, so just keep an eye on, like, so the, the trade people to keep an eye on and the names to be whispered about. 
Ardemari. His name will be whispered about. Joe Harris. We know he will be whispered about. And I still believe Spencer Dinwiddie will be whispered about. Um, I think I think someone is going to be motivated to maybe make a move for him. Um, there you go, Brad. That's your answer. That's, um, I like all of those thoughts um, as hypotheticals, and you will be flayed. I'm going to get to some emails. Please. Cherboy. God, we got to get together someday soon. I know. Wait, soon, do we have Mike. the Cherboy trap in our like Google Drive doc? Yeah, but we can't sync it up. Like, you can't. Yeah, I know. It'd be too hard. All right, sorry. Be really... Anyways, uh, Justin Tassilides, this is an IOU for a John Cena drop because you've got a hell of an email here. Um, he even has, this is how, I mean, this is, I wish I could screenshot this and send it to you people. I mean, I can. I could do that, but I'm not going to. Um, but he gives a little, uh, um, like, headlines for each of his questions. So his first one's, how do you solve a, a problem like Jeremy? Lynn has played 36 of a possible 164 games and will likely opt in to spend the next year rehabbing. Not sure what else to call it. He's likely got a couple, uh, got, got a ways to go in order to be productive. Assuming he opts in, the Nets will have over $34 million in dead cap between Lynn D. Won't's buyout and Miles Goff's salary. How do they fix this? How do they manage uh, Lynn's desire to be a leader when Levert, D'Lo, Dinwiddie all have proven to be more than competent point guards? Um, so that will he parlays that into another question. Um, but um, <laughs> do, do you have that? Any any hot takes on that? Well, so like I don't necessarily know that Lynn is um, basically dead cap next year, right? Like, do we? I don't know about his injury. I don't know how bad it may be. You know, I don't know when he may come back, but let's imagine a world where he does come back. I mean, I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility. I think Jeremy Lin on an expiring at $12 million a year is a nice player to have. Just, I love him, how he fits on this team. I even sort of love the rotation of having uh, D'Lo and Dinwiddie starting, and then Lin and Levert coming off the bench. You know, you've got guys who can shoot threes paired with guys who can handle the ball and get to the rim. Sort of like a perfect little combo there. Um, yeah. So I mean, I, if, if depth is the argument here, like we just watched Nick Stauskas play back a point guard. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so like it seems like you just can't have enough depth. That's that's the moral of the story that I've taken from this. Well, and like so, if Lynn proves he is healthy, okay, going into next season, he is a valuable trade commodity. Twelve million dollars is not that much for a guy who can be a starting point guard in the NBA who is, let's not forget this, has big marketing potential for any team that gets him. So um, I, I know like we initially thought, oh, it stinks that Jeremy Lin's going to opt in because it'd be nice if the Nets could have a ton of cap space. I just think like $12 million is not that much. This team is not going to go sign, um, I don't know, I don't know who, like, who the big unrestricted free agents are. They're not going to sign LeBron. So like, it's fine. He's going to be on the roster next year, and hopefully he's healthy. And this team is like their point guard ball handling situation will be one of the best in the NBA. And mm. it, I think it matters in the NBA to have a good ball handler, Brian. That's one of my new theories. Hot. Ooh, hot take. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> okay, so this he parlays that into the next question. Point guard Palooza. Ooh. Remember when the Nets point guard rotation was Jarrett Jack, Ooh. Shane Larkin, Ooh. and cheer boy D. Sloan? Oh, my God. We loved I, D. Sloan a little bit, didn't I we? Try, I try not to. Now they almost seem to have an embarrassment of riches at the position. When everyone's back and you can add Lynn to this, who starts, who sits, who gets minutes, who goes where? Did they stop fighting fate and play it? Uh, 
uh, and let Dilo play the two, while Dinwiddie and Levert man the one. Where does Lynn fit? Um, so yeah, this, so basically this goes into like the Nick Stauskas argument of you can't have enough depth. Um, for me, that also goes to say like, dude, Donald Sloan was dank, and if you don't agree with that, I just, I just don't, just don't trust your lying eyes when they're when you're watching basketball. Um, yeah, I mean, this is uh, like this the short term stuff. I agree, it's a problem. We're all interested to see it. There's no real answer outside of, um, you know, didn't like someone's minutes taking a hit at that position. So, uh, yeah, it's like it's weird. It's weird to think that we're we have these three dynamic playmaking guys and and someone's version of that is going to have to take a back seat to another um hard difficult if it's really between Dinwiddie and Levert right i mean if like if we're talking about primary ball handling playmaking and we we can only really truly have one at a time let's say in this you know hypothetical this vacuum which of those two guys are you more eager to watch well and i think ultimately while they love Levert as being a point guard right now cuz he's been really good at it I think ultimately they still view him as a two three guy on the team. Like I, I still think there's like there's some hope that he will be able to shift back into a wing role and that he'll be able to use the experience he's had as a point guard and incorporate that into a guy who doesn't need to have the ball all the time. Where Dinwiddie mm-hmm. is a point guard. Like, yes, he can play off ball, but he he is like a perfect sort of modern point guard. He has tons of size, can shoot threes, never turns over the ball, and defensively has been pretty awesome. Um, it's just Laverta backup too has been a revelation. I'd, I'd I hate know. to think that he just can't go back and, 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 and play that in betwixt position. Um, okay. Third I mean, we question. Should, oh, well, we should do this sometime, but like rank the, the best developments of the year so far. And I think like Lavert's point guard skills, maybe yeah. number one, because if D'Angelo had played the whole year as he had played previously, that would be number one. But Lavert's point guard skills, or number one so far, I think. Oka five or Oka four? <gasps> Do we think that Oka four is a solid option at power forward? Can he play alongside Allen? What about Zeller? If not, who loses minutes? Um, nah, I think like uh, big picture future, it's possible that they will get minutes together uh, at the four and five, um, like just because of like overlapping. But but I don't think that this identity, this team's identity, can ever really be about playing a giant air quotes here, twin towers type, um, uh, type system. Um, in the short term, if, if Okafor is going to get like significantly more minutes, I, I, I think that that's like frontline rotations pretty much like figured itself out. I, I would be surprised if anything really changes throughout the rest of this year. I think Zeller is going to have that starting spot and the like one a off the bench is Allen and one B is, is Okafor. And, like, so watching the game today, I think the Raptors game was, like, the best example of what the center rotation should be. Allen was the best center today. I love Zeller, but Allen was the best center today. Okafor you have to give some minutes to because there's potential there. We talked about offensively. Um, and your offense is going to suck with Allen and Okafor playing. And your defense, typically by having Twin Towers, your defense should be better. Like, the thought that you have two big guys in the modern NBA means that you should be able to guard the hoop very well. Okafor doesn't do that. Like, I hope he does at some point, but he just isn't that. So, like, there's no benefit. They're going to play together. Atkinson says they will. Um, I ultimately just kind of want Allen to get the most minutes, Okafor to get the second most, and then Zeller 
to still play some because I think he can help you out to win some games. Oh, God, they should have yeah. won the draft this game. And, and finally, if Dinwiddie is Vegeta, who is the rest of the Nets? <clears throat> that's Well, We'll we should probably actually do, go and do that because we haven't done that. But all I know is Jared Allen is Piccolo. That's the that's the only thing I can think of. Ooh, that's interesting, though, because Jared Allen, there's some Piccolo in him, but Piccolo is like the old head vet. And I don't know if, you know, Jared Allen is just a baby boy. He doesn't know any better. Yeah. Um, well, we'll talk about it. Speaking of which, By your way, boy, someone Jim did- Nasidas, Miss Dunk Asides, what do you think of the young computer technician hunting for those hard screens? Jared Allen was looking to lay some wood setting those picks. Good luck for the future. Uh, good looking at you, Jim Nasidas. Um, thanks for hitting us up, netspot at gmail.com. Shout out uh, all over the place. Um, what do you think of those hard picks, dog? Dude, I think you were right. You 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 have such a great uh, skill at identifying a person's soul off of just three <laughs> minutes of them on the basketball court. Because you said, and I doubted, you said that there's a there's a man child in there. There's a monster mm-hmm. waiting to be unleashed, and angry we saw that tonight, Brian. Boy, dunking, boy. <laughs> dunking in Valanciunas's face. Yeah, um, you, not not I taking know, no crap. I know from for a fact that there's been some tantrums in the Allen household. It's like, Mom, <laughs> <laughs> who took my motherboard? Who took it? <laughs> I know that there was some some <laughs> real tantrums. Uh, no, there's an angry boy in there, and he does set that that hardwood um, or lay that hardwood. Um, anyways, next up, cheer boy Mario Allison. Uh, <laughs> Mario Allison, cool name. Hey guys, what's up? This is Eurostep Rio. Shoot, sorry, <laughs> I doxed you, dog. Sorry about that. Um, what do you think about a starting lineup of D'Lo, Dinwiddie, Levert, Rondé, and Jared Allen? I hope this happens after all after the All Star break. They can stagger D Logan Spencer's minutes, so they always have a PG on the floor. Um, so basically, we're um, just just uh, we're banishing uh, Crab and Zeller to the bench. Uh, uh, yes, Crab Zeller and Carol. No, Carol. Yeah, would, Carol. Carol would yeah also be on the bench. Yes. Um, Golly, let me think about that. Let me think about the the ex, the geometry. Let me beautiful mind this situation. Um, I don't love it. I don't. You're you're using all three of your best ball handlers, um, and and you're um, yeah. It's it's just a little bit spread thin. I would say, don't you think? Well, like it would work if Rondé and Jared Allen could shoot threes because then you have because Dinwiddie can shoot threes, D'Lo can shoot threes, and Levert cannot. But like you would have D'Lo, Dinwiddie. And then if, hypothetically, they had a four and a five who could shoot threes, that'd be a dangerous lineup. I love the idea of it. It's like future forward-looking lineup with having those guys in there. I still like Carroll a lot, um, especially when he's healthy. I like him to be in there. Crab showed something tonight. Um, I thought I thought we were going to get like the full Alan Crab game, just like this, and he was teetering on that to have finally like just completely break out and be awesome. He was good, though, tonight. He he was pretty solid. Um, sort of the biggest problem with like Carroll being hurt though is that it actually forced Joe Harris to play uh, with Alan Crab. When I still like Joe Harris being the bench Alan Crab, you know what I mean? Like being there mm-hmm. with bench lineups and shooting threes. Because when neither Crab or Harris were on the floor, they just like kind of struggled offensively, and they kind of had to hope to score something at the hoop because they were never going to hit an outside shot. 
that's my take. There you go. Dope. Dope take. Next up, <laughs> cheer boy, Mateus Nunez. Uh, hey, guys. What's up? I'm an international fan here from Uruguay in South America. How about that, Mike? Um, I listen to you every pod you guys make ever since I saw you guys on Nets Daily. Thanks, dog. Um, my question is, with Jaleel Okafor eventually taking the starting five spot... Ooh, interesting. Hot take. And D'Lo coming back from injury, are the Nets playoff bound this year? Uh, also, any issues with Isaiah Whitehead? He has some Dwayne Wade to his game, uh, especially the way he takes it to the basket. Unfortunately, I've not seen him on the court, and... Um, so I'm sorry. Anyways, thanks, Mateus. Um... Shout outs to uh, Uruguay. Um, Mike, is Jaleel Okafor going to start at the five this season at any point? No. Absent injuries or whatever. Yeah, no. No. Okay. Um, will the Nets make the playoffs this year? No. Okay. There you go. There you have it, Mateus. <laughs> no. Okay, so I did look at this, right? So I they were before tonight's loss, which was going to put them even further behind. They were five games out of the eighth spot. So let's say they are five and a half to six games out of the eighth spot at the moment. Um, and it's also not even that. There's just a lot of competition for that eighth seed. It's the Sixers, Knicks, Pacers, Hornets, and Bulls now, including the Nets for that spot. Um, it's just a lot of dudes. And I would love for them to make the playoffs. Like, honestly, that'd be fantastic. And awesome and amazing and way ahead of timeline and everyone would be naming Sean Marks, the King of the future of the NBA, but uh, just not having Lynn D'Angelo basically made that almost impossible for that to happen. Right. I mean, if they had them, I think they would have, let's say conservatively, Brian, right. Four more wins this year. I would say maybe Mm -hmm. six more wins this year. If they had six more wins this year, they would be in the playoffs at the moment. So if they had those two dudes healthy, they are in the playoffs. Uh, not having them too healthy, they are not in the playoffs. Yeah, brutal. Um, next up, and finally, cheer boy. Was that? I said, but thanks for listening, guys. Um, next up, cheer boy, Andrew D'Amico. Um, hey, glue guys, first time, long time. Hey. Um, what do you make of the Nets' defensive late? They are second in defensive rating over the past five games, and top five in the past ten games. Is this a pattern? From my test standpoint, the defense does seem to be tightening. Did you know, by the way, um, G-Dub was telling me, and I have not verified this, but I'm just going to go ahead and take him at his word, but he looked it up that uh, the Nets are third best in the league at beating Vegas' spread um, on them. I thought that was an interesting stat. Yeah, no, that means something, right? Like That means that they're way overshooting expectations. I wonder who's one and two. On that, probably um, the two is Toronto. Uh, I, yeah, I didn't, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't Toronto. know what one is. That? I should have asked. How about that, Brian? Yeah, neato. Um, anyways, so do they pass the uh, defensive eye test and the actual test? So, uh, like we were saying, like it seems to be um, a a tale of two teams at this point. We started out the season zero defense, all ripping threes, and then now we're like. Semi, we're we're you know we've we've integrated a lot more driving and dishing into our offense. All of a sudden, we're feeding at Jared Allen, rolling to the rim and stuff all over the place, and and hoping to do the same with Julie Loca for. Uh, so we're we're playing a, a little bit more uh, of a methodical offensive game, 
And I would agree, you know, I have, I have no reason not to say that this defense seems to be tightening up. I mean, we're, we're playing. It's actually interesting when you when you do have um, Nick Stauskas playing as back, backup point guard, um, you basically have all six, seven or six, eight dudes playing your in your backcourt, which right. is an awesome thing to use for defense. It means you can't get the ball past half court on offense. But um, it's super handy if they can <laughs> if they can actually keep up with with point guards on defense, um, which they kind of can. So um, so yeah, like part of what's awesome also about Karis Levert playing back at point guard minutes is that he's a really good defender and a really um, interesting defender. Like he he can. Um, he can play. He can do basically like he can play passing lanes really expertly, but he's also can be conservative when he needs to be. He's a, he's a rare combination of all this, all the kind of defense you want from the backcourt player. Um, but yeah, so yeah, I, it works for me. Does it work for you? Yeah, and that I think so. Alan Crabb has been better defensively than he was earlier in this season. That's something that he's focused on. <laughs> and Jared Allen being reliable is a big deal. Like there was a terrible stretch during the season when. Quincy AC was the like not starting center, yeah. but he played a lot at center. Um, yeah. Rondé played some five when they couldn't rely on Mozgov. Jared Allen was not yet ready to take it. Uh, Zeller didn't play at all, and you know obviously Okafor wasn't on the team. They played AC and Rondé at the five, and th- they just got gutted in the middle of the floor. And also can like, yeah, what were you gonna say? Oh, just say, can I just can I just take a minute to thank Kenny Atkinson for burying Moscow on the bench? Like, I guarantee you, not PJ Carlissimo at the very least, and Lionel Hollins just to troll us would be starting Moscow playing him twenty five minutes a game. <laughs> I guarantee that. Yes, I guarantee that. that's <laughs> Anyways, an underrated. Continue. That is absolutely an underrated move, right? <laughs> yes, Moscow had had played under Atkinson before. Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure uh, Marks would like Moscow to play. Because essentially we are now saying his $15 million a year or whatever is gone. Like that is just <laughs> unrecuperable. Uh, and But Kenny Atkinson, maybe in conglomeration or incongruity or whatever the word is, with Marks uh, has decided, you know what? We're just not going to try with Mozgov. Mm-hmm. And he seems yeah. like a, a swell guy. Um, and Mozgov's like, I'm okay with that. That's fine. That's fine. Yeah. He, <laughs> I just follow, I just started following him on Instagram and he seems like a super nice guy. Who's just like happy to be making yeah. a ton of money and yeah. living in New York. That That's a nice, like, it's frustrating. I'm sure. But he's also like not being a, a baby boy about it. He, he does not seem to be causing a stink. It does, it does not appear to be the case, but I will say they're going to have to like that at some point down the line, like you can't just have Mozgov on your team making that much money and just not playing just that there's going to be a, a, a point where they're going to have to make a decision on whether to do the stretch provision with him. Now, I don't know if they can do it at the same time while they're stretching Darren Williams because they still are paying Darren Williams. Um, it may be like in Mozgov's final year on the team. So that'd be not next season, but the season after they decide to cut, cut him and then stretch his $15 million out to, Five million a year for the next three years, that may happen. But um, defense, yes, better, right? Like, and this is this is something that like is now making. This is why they stayed with the Celtics in a game, and why they stayed. They should have been in the Raptors, but couldn't uh, because they're playing better defense. They're not an abomination out on that side of the floor now. There's also, I mean, there's a pretty palpable us against the world kind of vibe, you know, being. Being um, spearheaded prepa- by Spencer Dinwiddie. Yeah, this Spencer Dinwiddie is getting like going full aggro. Um, 
which or not even filagro he's going like um just like what's the expression that he's giving to to the league right now it's sort of like um i think he's feeling like he's not being paid enough attention to is that fair to say he's definitely flowering uh he's he's coming out of his bulb right now and showing the true spencer dinwiddie which is someone who has opinions about things yeah um, who's not just like a guy who's going to be happy and content with now his level in life that he's risen to. He's going yeah. to continue to express himself. And now he's complaining about officials. And yeah. he, I, I did say, and I said this during the game, I tweeted this out. There were a couple of calls that he did not get, I think specifically because he complained about the referees in the last game against the Celtics. Because referees are like a fraternity. They're a pack mentality. You make fun of one or you bash one. And we all sort of, lash out at you um i think spencer's i don't think it's wise to just suddenly um sort of like voice his opinion about referees see i I hate that so much they should take somehow like like tests to test their prejudices against them they need to be more objective in general if that's the case if if that is the case and i'm not sure it is you know um you said i'm not one of my theories aren't correct no it's not it's not you know Riff lives matter. It's fine. It's all good. <laughs> um, do we have any more emails? I don't think so, right? Let me refresh out. That's it. Yeah, we hit the bottom of the barrel. Hey, we did it. We got tired at the end there, Mike, but we are um, with it. Um, so tough game again. And it stinks that they lost, but it's like sort of, you know, I know you said this earlier in the pod, but. It stinks that we have now have to reflect on every game as less of a win or loss, or more. It's more of a how much have they progressed since last mm. season, but that is that is the sort of the lot that we've been taken into, and they have progressed uh, mightily since last season. The fact that they could go against the Celtics and go against the Raptors and go toe to toe with them, and the the Nets are the disadvantaged team in terms of calls in the Celtics games and in terms of talent by far, in terms of not having D'Lo in the Raptors game, and they're almost able to win. Um, it's going to be interesting when D'Lo comes back to see exactly how much better they are. Like, if they go on a little run, then we can start getting pretty pumped up. So we said, I said playoffs weren't going to happen, but there's a shot that if D'Lo comes back and just they start doing really well, you know, something can happen, Brian. Heck yeah. Take us out of here, Mike. All right. Well, thank you for listening. We'll do one more pod this week, maybe, Brian. I think so, right? We're going to try. I think so, yeah. Um, Shooting for Thursday or something? Thursday. And then um, we'll catch you later here on NetsDaily.com and Almighty Baller. Good night, Brian. <laughs> Good night, everybody. All right. Outro time. <laughs> Did you not have that queued up? Yeah. But it's, it's popping right now. You should, you should use the air boy.